The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of arrowheadpride.com. Once again, joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we've reached the bye week. The Chiefs are 7-2. and two. How are we feeling? Uh, excellent. Excellent. I don't know. How, how do you say that in German? Oh, we don't have to do that anymore, do we? Okay, never mind. Yeah, I think the jokes have passed. I I said yesterday, Guten Morgen, which I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But I also I, I got. I think that's in right, actually. Yeah, on I the think fun. That's right. Yeah, there was a. We had the the Taylor Swift theme stuff earlier this year, and then we moved on to the German stuff. I don't know what's next. Uh, those are two very different things, Germany and Taylor Swift. So it could be any kind of theme uh, as we in, head into the. Second half here. The Chiefs, of course, are coming off a 21 to 14 victory uh, over the Miami Dolphins. It has been, I don't know, it's kind of felt like, and I'm sure we're going to talk more about this, John, but it's kind of felt like an up and down year, even though the Chiefs were five games over 500 <laughs> during week 10, uh, the week 10 bye. But it, it does feel like it's been more of a, a roller coaster than the record depicts at this stage. You know what the Chiefs' record was in 2022, the year they went to the Super Bowl last? I don't At, know. I'm after nine research, weeks, it that? was seven and two. Wow. Well, there you go. That's uh, that's the first that, uh, good stat that we had today. That's the that's the that's the biggest. Well, we'll we'll get to all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're going to talk about this game before we do. We want to tell you that uh, Steve has a jam packed week here on the Era Pride uh, Podcast Network. So we're going to continue the podcast uh, and we're going to going to keep that going on the website. We have our uh, annual it's 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 a it's a loose annual because it always happens at different times we have our bi-week awards <laughs> coming up the voting started this morning uh i won't reveal any any votes any secrets yet but we have special teams mvp offensive rookie at the bye week defensive rookie at the bye week most improved player defensive player of the bye week offensive player of the bye week and then team mvp so as we have been doing these past few buys right john as yeah. we've been doing these past few buys, uh, we will have uh, awards intermittently throughout the week starting on Wednesday. So you can what look are, forward to that. What are we going to do when the NFL gives the Chiefs like a, a week six buy or a week 13 buy? We're doing it and anyway. It's, 
it's not even close to the middle those of the role season. players. Yeah, those role <laughs> players who have made a couple good plays might finally have a chance <laughs> to take home the prestigious bye week award from Arrowhead Pride. Uh, by the way, I'm not sure how much you can hear. I feel like my mic is pretty good, but I'm just letting you guys know it feels like they're building like the Taj Mahal outside on my block. So I'm, I apologize if you can hear any of that construction. I'm not I sure. I don't hear if you it can. at all. Okay, yeah. good. Well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, okay. Uh, want to get to our first review. If you want to leave us a review on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, you can. We'll read it right here on the editor's show. We only have one this week, but it's five stars from Phantom Mark. Uh, Mahomes' sick day performance in Denver amplifies how invaluable. Having a backup quarterback like Chad Henney was for the Chiefs. Dot dot dot. Your podcast is fire. I haven't really seen uh, much of of Blaine Gabbert yet, uh, so hard to judge. But uh, speaking of the championship seasons, John, in both championship seasons, uh, Chad Henney played a, a minor role, um, mm-hmm. you know, or you know, yeah. to an extent, or uh, I guess the backup played a minor role in the earlier season. It was that uh, two starts by Matt Moore in the middle of the year. And then with the the championship season, Chad Henney uh, had to come in and had a perfect drive in the Jaguars game. So the backup has come into play in the championship seasons for the Chiefs, but you've not really seen uh, any of Blaine quite yet. Didn't look great in the preseason, but uh, who knows what the preseason even means? Uh, you know, at this stage, it has meant nothing really to what we've seen in the season so far for the Kansas City Chiefs. So what, what's your take on the backup, John? Well, I thought Chad Henney was terrific, um, and he did not have a terrific career before he came to Kansas City. But he he showed the uh, the 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 trust that the Chiefs had put in him. He justified that trust. I'm less sure about Gabbert, however. Um, I'm just not convinced that he's going to be a guy that can go in there and um, and be the guy the Chiefs need him to be. But you know, they were right about Henney. Who am I to say they're wrong about Gabbert? Uh, we just have to hope for the best if if uh, if the worst comes to pass and he has to get some snaps. Yeah, I don't think Andy Reid would have Gabbard on the roster and go with him if he didn't feel like he had a veteran presence in the room and right. a pinch could come in a game or or do a spot start. So we'll see. You know, you always hope that that position just goes unused uh, as as Ch- sure. Chase Daniel built an NFL. Speaking of of, of local uh, products, as Chase Daniel <laughs> built a career out of, you can make a lot of money being a reliable backup in the NFL. Hardly used, but uh, an important role nonetheless. Well, right. Blaine Gabbard is also a local guy. You know, he went to Parkway West High School in St. Louis. That's right. And uh, he's also a Mizzou guy. Now that I think right. about it. Yeah. So, yeah. I actually, uh, I actually dated a girl who went to that high school for a little while. Okay. So, uh, yeah. But long Shout before Blaine Gabbert played there. <laughs> yeah. I imagine. I hope so. I, I would hope. I would hope that, John. Well, I'm gonna let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Um, okay, uh, we're going to get into the marinated takeaways. The way that the Chiefs bye week works, uh, historically for Andy Reid, is he will give the players the entire week off. They're due back in Kansas City at the beginning of next week. A lot of times, John, you'll see the Chiefs uh, at their colleges, visiting their college football teams. Uh, now now they come back as a lot of them Super Bowl champion, big man on campus. That's a fun 
a weekend for them. But Andy Reid likes to let the players kind of reset, relax, recharge, hopefully knock on all the wood. They don't get into trouble. The coaches come in for the beginning of the week and they do a little bit of self eval. And then the coaches, I believe, get somewhere in the realm of like Wednesday to Thursday to Sunday off, probably Thursday to Sunday off where they are able to reset. Uh, But this is where you see the Chiefs do a lot of self-scouting. And so we'll see how they end up coming out of it. I know that uh, there will be a lot of fans uh, hoping that there are some significant changes on offense ahead Uh, that we know. uh, And I'm sure that's going to be a theme as we get into our marinade takeaways to what I thought, right, like, so you got to take away the Miami and Kansas City fandom. I thought if you're just a general NFL fan watching that game yesterday, pretty entertaining game. Not the game we expected where we maybe thought Mm -hmm. it was going to be this shootout, but it was a pretty good and interesting football game that (laughs) I'm sure there were a lot of nervous Chiefs fans at this 11 a.m. hour in Kansas City came down to the wire, which is, you know, what the NFL wants. A little bit of an anticlimactic ending but a happy one for chiefs fans uh, so let's open up the world famous marinated takeaways right away here john uh, what was your number one takeaway from this game i don't understand why people are so upset with dave tobe i i actually have two i have two points i want to emphasize about this i understand why people think that um every punt should be allowed to go into the end zone or every kickoff should be allowed to go into the end zone I get that. And I think that part of the trouble here is that most fans who have an opinion about this, I think played high school football and their coaches taught them that if the ball is over your head and you're inside the 10 yard line, you let it go. And you know what? In high school, that's exactly the thing to do. But the point that Dave Tobe was making when he spoke to the press after the loss in Denver was that this is not high school football. NFL punters have the ability to drop a punt on the inside the five yard line and have it bounce straight up to where the coverage team can down it. And that's why he said that McCole Hardman made the right move to go after the punt that he muffed against Denver. You know what? Even if he's, he's going to muff some punts once in a while, that's just something that's going to happen. And they have to, they have to accept that risk. But what Hardman did yesterday was bring a ball up to about the 10-yard line. In the world of special teams, nine yards is a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a whole set of downs that the Chiefs don't have to get going back up the field. So this is why I'm disturbed by folks who want to point out that they should never catch a ball inside the five or the inside the 10 or whatever the figure is, because that's about high school. And this is not high school. And so that's one point. And then the other point is that I'm a little bugged by folks who, in the one hand, will say, well, we shouldn't even be fielding these because we don't need to do that like we did when Alex Smith was the quarterback. Mahomes can, you know, he doesn't need to have the the aggressive special teams in order for the team to be successful. Well, excuse me, (laughs) you can't believe that. And also think the offense isn't doing very well. If you believe that the offense was not doing very well on Sunday, then you should be all for McCall McCall Hardman fielding a punt and being aggressive inside the 10-yard line. You can't have both of those opinions because they conflict with each other. Okay, 
end rant. I'm sorry. I, I got yeah. myself worked up again. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, I think there's a little bit of both here. I think last week it felt like uh, maybe Dave Tope was right. There was a, a punt in this game where it really did look like it would have been better for Hardman to let that thing bounce, but uh, he doesn't end up doing it. Fortunately, it didn't cost the Chiefs. Uh, much this week it, it seemed like uh of all the things that a punt returner does hardman was well focused on making sure he corralled the football this week right and, and mm-hmm. so yeah uh, no muffs and it's important that he makes the right decisions here because i i think and we'll get to some of the snap counts john i know you pulled some of them for us but when you're brought back to a team and one of your primary roles is to shore up the receiver position and your original receiver is healthy now and you know you're choosing not to activate him right away uh, and you're still going to be that guy i think you got to be uh playing a a near if you can perfect game i know it's not always going to be perfect but you got to be in that 85 to 90 range i could see uh some fan concern there i I also see the day of tope side where and to your credit like it is the pros and there are pro punters here and these punters can put you inside the the three four five easily we see tommy townsend and he's had a great season um do that all the time and so there's a little bit of i think an an in-between uh there my first mariner takeaway here i don't know uh if the chiefs win this football game without that defensive play maybe that's a little bit of an obvious marinated takeaway maybe that takeaway is not so marinated but you're looking at that point in the game 10 to 14 point swing. I know it was second and seven at the KC 30. Let's say uh, Tyree kill is just tackled uh, at that point. You know, you end up um, what third and 10 You're still looking at maybe a field goal. So it's 14, three instead of 21 to nothing at, at the half. And then we saw what Miami was able to do. It, it quote unquote woke up in the second half. So if you're starting at 14, three, uh, instead of 21 nothing, who knows how the game ends? Of course, that's living in the hypothetical. We'll never know. But I just right. think that was such a huge swing, 21 to nothing. And you just had a sense, I think, in the morning yesterday that no matter what Miami did, you know, even if they did wake up, you woke up the sleeping giant. There, they were too far behind where Kansas City wasn't going to let this one go. It would be an historic collapse. I mean, it almost ended up uh, going overtime and, and getting in the realm of that. But that's why this play was so important. And what a heads up play. I, I mentioned it on the Arrowhead Pride Report and, and 610 and you know where I was analyzing this game. Uh, I I think when Legereus Sneed leaves the game and he's trotting around following Tyree Kill for you know pretty much the whole thing, especially in the outside, you knew that they were going to go to Tyree Kill right away when mm-hmm. C had to check out. And Trent McDuffie knew that, you know, and it, it was pretty clear to me. And he was ready to, to poke that ball out. Who knows if it was something that he saw on film with Tyreek. But if you're going to knock the ball uh, away from Tyreek Hill, then you have to um, be, get there fast because we know that we know the speed that he has. So just the first initial play to knock that ball down. Andy Reid complimented Trent McDuffie on that. Uh, but the onions on Mike Edwards, my God, what, where did this guy come from to, if you, you know, we're, we're talking about a Nicole Hardman sometimes making questionable decisions. If you are going to make the decision to lateral in the AFC game of the year, uh, in, in a, in a international stage with the entire world, you could say world in this game watching, uh, you got to be sure about, you know, your teammate, you got to be sure that you're getting it to him. You got to be, 
absolutely positive that that it is going to be a good enough toss where he's going to be able to catch it. Uh, this is not something that you practice. Uh, I, I would not recommend doing what, what uh, Mike Edwards uh, ended up doing, uh, but it worked. And Brian Cook ran faster than any chief has this year. Uh, and, and he plays uh, on a team with, uh, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who has a you know really fast 40 time, whoever you want to name. Uh, Brian Cook ran faster than any of these guys. He was at the combine with a, a what, four, five, nine, 40 yard dash. So uh, there was something extra that he was feeling on this play. And mm -hmm. it, it took three guys. It took three separate guys. Um, one of them looking like one of the better cornerbacks in the league period. The other, the seasoned veteran who had the trust of uh, a second year player in year one with the team. And then Brian Cook, just a heads up play and uh, jetting down the field to, to get the, the six points. And again, uh, the play of the game, uh, they don't win that game uh, without um, that play. In my opinion, I com I completely agree. And uh, this is, I think one of the things that we forget is that the chief's defense has actually been really good at making these opportune plays at these opportune moments. How many times have we seen them get that sack on the third down uh, on the final drive of the game? Um, how many, this, this was a, a perfect example of making that opportune play. I will also point out, I've seen discussion about this this morning and I haven't had a chance to check out the validity of it, but apparently, um, there was an incident in practice last week where Edwards attempted a lateral to read to Justin Reed and Reed wasn't expecting it. And so they had a conversation. Now, you're right. You can't really practice this. But apparently right. the secondary got together and talked about it and said, OK, we need to be prepared to make that kind of a move. And so when something like this happens where a lateral is a possibility, we all have to be ready to take it. So they didn't practice it, but it was something that they discussed. And then when the moment came, everybody was was ready for it. And I'll also point out that in this particular case, <laughs> the lateral was more like a handoff. Right. <laughs> I mean, there was, I mean, they, for sure. yeah, yeah. They were very close to each other. So I think in this particular case, Edwards was very sure that he was going to get the ball to cook. And I, and I like you uh, loved the, the acceleration and how fast he was going. An excellent example of what uh, Marty Schottenheimer used to call testing people in their underwear it's one thing to run fast at the combine. It's another thing altogether to put it on, put on your uniform and your pads and see what you can do then. And Brian Cook shortly showed that he's uh, in the game situation, a very fast guy. He was yeah, amazing. We've talked about how Patrick Mahomes with his trainer that, you know, is well known on, on X likes to tell everyone how much he hates the Bengals. Uh, Bobby Stroop <laughs> about practicing the arm angles. This is now the second lateral we've seen uh, that Kansas City has done this year. Travis Kelsey had one where he flipped it to Noah Gray. So you kind of confirm that Andy Reid is cool with this. And it is an advantage to an, to a team that is, is willing to do that. I mean, there's a lot of head coaches in the NFL that would say, you know, what are you doing? Even on a right. successful yeah. play, they'd be like, do yeah. not do that. that we're not going to win games that way. And Andy Reid very clearly is leaning into it. I mean, it could, you do it at the right time and it's well executed. You can gain an additional 10 to 15 yards on a play. And when you're in a game with a team like the Dolphins, who to me is on your level, that could be the difference. I mean, who knows if the Chiefs just, 
let's say Mike Edwards just goes down. Who knows if they score a touchdown on, on, on you know, that drive, mm-hmm, you know right. what I mean? And so they like, were 60 yards away from the end zone. Like, it's not like they, right. yeah, it's not like you they like were on the, the 20 risk yard line. So yeah. long as it works, I'm going to, I'm going to keep the, the, uh, marinated takeaway conch for a second here, John, just because I have a related uh, takeaway. Okay. All right. So uh, I looked this up this morning. Uh, since Tyreek has become a dolphin, and we, you know, to Tyreek, I don't like a lot of the things Tyreek says, but one of the controversial things that he says is that the Chiefs underutilized me. You know what? To an extent, maybe they did uh, because the Dolphins are, are getting a lot of production and yardage out of them. Um, and whatever. So we know that it's opened up for him since becoming a dolphin. The Chiefs held Tyreek Hill to the third lowest yards per reception since becoming a dolphin. You know, he's in the mm-hmm. 60 yard range, but I looked this up. So the first worst was week five, the Jets last year, 6.71. Now, if you think about the Jets last year, I, I know that they were a well known defense now, but they've kind of built into this defense. So that's one of the better defenses of the past few years in the league. The second worst was week 15 versus the Bills last year. They were at 7.67. The Chiefs were right there yesterday, 7.75. So again, thinking about the Bills last year, this is one when they were very healthy and didn't have all the injuries. Milano, um, uh, there's one I'm not thinking of. Uh, They were one of the elite defenses in the league. So it takes a top defense to hold Tyreek Hill to that yards per reception because once he's able to get the ball in his hands, he's usually gone. Right. To me, that just depicts... These Chiefs were well aware that when he gets the ball in his hands, we got to rally to the ball and fast. And they, this to me tells me that they were very aware of where he was at all times and prepared for him and in what he was going to do and in, in anticipating that to hold him to that. And I thought I thought that was a key to the game because you knew and you could kind of see how badly he wanted to score. Uh, and so, yeah, eight catches. That's not wonderful, but to for, to get 62 yards and for the third worst um, yards per reception output, I, I just thought that was a huge key to winning this football game, containing Tyreek Hill in a game in which, like, you know how the Denver Broncos, there's no way the Chiefs could have been as motivated as the Broncos last week, and you kind of felt that. Nobody sure. was more motivated on the field yesterday than Tyreek Hill, and to hold him to that, I, th- I just thought it was was very impressive. It was. I, I I completely agree. And and stopping Hill was going to be uh, the key to this. And I I, I thought I liked the way that uh, Rocky put it in his uh, five things column yesterday that, uh, yeah, he's going to beat us, but he's not going to beat us. Right. That was where the, the chiefs were coming from. It's like, you know, they're, he's going to get his. We can't stop him from getting his. We know what he's capable of doing because he used to play for us. But because he used to play for us, we know how to stop him, and he's just not going to beat us. And they succeeded. I was yeah. very impressed with that part of the Chiefs' defense yesterday. All right, you can continue on now, John. You're next. You said you have a couple rants today. Yeah, I have. I, I've. <laughs> yes. Another one. Yes, I have another rant. Okay. Well, here's one thing that I noticed about uh, yesterday's game, and that's when I looked at the snap count information this morning, which is where I always get this kind of stuff. Yesterday, the Chiefs passed the ball 57% of the time and ran the ball 43% of the time. That is just about perfect. I don't know how many times I've said this over the course of the season that, um, yeah, the Chiefs need to run the ball more, but they don't need to run the ball that much more. You know, the Chiefs don't need to have the kind of balance where it's 50-50. They just don't need to be at 
66-33. You know, they need to do a little better than that. They only the only in the modern NFL, you're not making your offense tick on running the ball. That's just not going to happen. The reason you do it is to keep the passing game honest. And the passing game is where you get most of your yards. If you look at the expected points added per play, passing is far superior to running. You know, teams that are going to depend on the run in order to make their offense work are just not going to succeed. That's just not going to happen. So the Chiefs needed to run the ball more this season. And on Sunday, they did. And especially in that 13-play drive for the second touchdown, that was beautifully done. They they depended on Pacheco, and when they did that, they got some plays down the field, and it was it was a beautiful thing to see. I mean, the first drive was great, of course, mm-hmm. because it was like clockwork. But I the one that I loved the most was the was the second drive for that scored. There were a couple of punts in between there, of course, but the second drive, that long one, I was just like, wow, this is what we need to see. Yeah, I think that it was actually a positive sign that you saw the offense run so well in that first couple, uh, the first part of that first quarter, the first couple drives, uh, not great that it ended up stalling. Not great that after the opening script, the, the world famous Andy Reed opening script, it, it kind of was flat, uh, again, but I think you're starting to see some sparks here and there. I, I did tweet out this morning, John, and I'll let you take over any kind of snap count takeaways that you had here. The receiver snap counts were Rasheed Rice, 41, Justin Watson, 38, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 33, Sky Moore, 15, McCole Hardman, 13, and then Kadarius Tony 7. Tony having only seven is a little bit curious. Uh, we are not uh, going to get any media availability uh, until next Monday, so a week from mm-hmm. today. So that's a yeah. I don't even know how I'm going to enjoy the bye week because that's a question that is going to be burnt. No, I'm just kidding. I'll enjoy the bye week. But I am wondering <laughs> why is Tony getting seven snaps and six less than McCole Hardman? That to me is alarming just because of all the build with, with Hardman. I understand why more and his snaps have declined, although he, for the first time yesterday, you finally started to see, okay, maybe there is something here. The thing I do like about the snap counts and this is a take I have. I know that every Chiefs fan, every person that's listening to us, you probably have different uh, favorite receivers, different receivers that you like to see out there more than others. I've been a very big Rasheed Rice guy, right, recently. So I like that the Chiefs are doing this with let him leading the, the snap count. What I like about this is the split. You, I've been calling this lately, and it's something that I had mentioned yesterday, where you're letting three guys take the bulk of it. And so mm-hmm. they're yep. more coming off for a blow than this constant rotation. And I just think that can only lead you to success. It seems like the team is seeing what we're seeing with Rasheed Rice. Now, uh, I think they also are starting to agree, like we got to have two or three guys going. This is a, a big moment for uh, Andy Reid to look inward and to figure out like which receivers are going to be best here. And if they're going to lean into three, Maybe you bite the bullet after the break, and maybe Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is still getting 33, takes a back seat to Sky Moore. Like, we'll see what the Chiefs end up doing. After the game, John, uh, Andy Reid and his celebration. I mean, you can only take so much away from this celebration video they, they put up. But uh, we're locked into this, right? We try to uncover things. Andy Reid's celebration, uh, the words were, big D, meaning the defense, heck of a job. Our offense 
we did enough, but we can get better. So even in Andy Reid's moments with the team, and I, I again, I know it's he knows he's on camera and uh, he knows that they're going to put it up, but still, he's still talking directly to the team and like a celebrating. So he's acknowledging to himself, like we still need to get better. And I imagine some changes are coming. I I am going to be very intrigued to hold this receiver snap count up to the next one uh in what will be week 11 against the eagles because i i think they're going to notice some things in their internal meetings this week that tells them okay we know we want to go with three receivers we know one of them is rasheed rice who are we best suited with for the next two and i I just wonder how that changes well i i agree but i think it's already happening you know a couple of weeks ago uh, i made the point that we had actually gotten to what amounted to a wide receiver by committee situation where the 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 snaps were distributed from like you know 55 percent to you know 40 percent and that's disappeared now if you you listed all those numbers is as the number of snaps listen to them as percentages yeah rice 70 percent watson 63 percent scantling 54 percent and then Moore, 23, Hardman, 21, right. Tony, 13. I right. think they've already decided that right. these are the three guys that we need to be emphasizing. And frankly, this is what many fans have been clamoring for is like, let's stop screwing around with trying to distribute the ball to all these guys all the time. Let's settle on the guys that we're going to use and let them develop rhythm with Mahomes. And I think that's what we saw. On Sunday, I think they they were actually making the effort to do that. I'm not sure that Scantling was the guy, but I to be the third guy because he hasn't really impressed me this year. He didn't impress me all that much yesterday. But on the other hand, look what happened when they didn't make more the primary guy. He became more effective all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, it was like right. his best game of the season and they used him the least. So, you know, that's another thing that that pushes this. And I think that's actually kind of what they're looking at with Tony. I made the point, I think it was last week, that mm-hmm. this may be their way of, of getting the use that they need out of Tony. We'll give him so little use that he'll be healthy for every game. And so every time we put, it out, put him out there, he can make a really good play. And the play he made yesterday was really good. But, you know, they're just not using him very much. And maybe they can live with that uh, compared to having him be out for eight games of the season. You know, it works out about the same, right? So Yeah, I'm just wondering his his status, though, because if he's yeah. healthy, you're starting to see why he's on the team in these flashes now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in a perfect world, like, there's a lot we always don't know. So we don't know his health. Sure. We don't know his playbook retention. So if those two things and you can't check them, they can't put them in this situation. But shouldn't this really look like Rice, Watson, Tony? I, I, I just feel like that's probably the the highest output. I mean, in my opinion, I know that. And maybe Sky Moore deserves a little bit longer of a leash within those three. I'm glad that they're leaning into three and I'm glad that they realize Rice should be one of them. I'm just wondering about right. the next two. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like talking out loud, just like everybody else. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, before we close the marinated takeaways and head to break, John, do you have any other uh, burning burning thoughts in, in your brain uh, from this game? Yes, I do. I'm going to go on another rant now. I'm sorry, okay, Pete. On this, this here comes another one. Uh, yes. Oh my God. Times I can't charm. stop myself. Yeah. 
why is it that we have all this focus on play calling? Why is it that we have all this focus on the scripted plays and the non-scripted plays? It's crazy to me. In my, I've talked about this over the years, and I'm sorry to come back to it, but I think most of the time complaints about play calling are complaints that the play just didn't work. You know, I, I rarely see uh, complaints about play calling was, well, in that situation, they should have called a screen pass or they should have run a wheel route to the to the weak side or they should. You know, all I hear is that play didn't work. So the play calling sucks. <laughs> right. And I think that people also don't quite understand what the whole point of the scripted plays is. I heard people yesterday saying, oh, my God, you know, the scripted plays were perfect. Look how great that that drive looked. Well, if it looked great, it was because it was a coincidence because those scripted plays aren't designed to be successful. They are designed to show what the defense is going to do in specific situations. What do they do when you come out in this alignment? What do they do when they come out in this other alignment? What do they do on first down, you know, in this situation, so on and so forth. The whole point of it is to, you know, get some idea of how the defense is going to respond to certain things. And that should control how you call and how you approach the rest of the game. And if it is successful, that's great, but that isn't the point. The point is right. for the rest of the drives to be successful. Yeah. So it, and I, it just drives me crazy. I heard people yesterday saying, well, they should have gone back to the script in the third quarter. <laughs> it's like, no, that, that wasn't, that wasn't the point. Well, there you saw it. First of all, I think it, I, you know, and I think you're right. And I also think it is also designed to, to score touchdowns in the process. If you can, I thought this was interesting from Peter King. It's a related note. Uh, this was in football morning America. When the game was over, Andy Reed and offensive coordinator, Matt Nagy were alone in Reed's office for 17 minutes. Clearly, nine points last week in Denver and 14 offensive points this week is not good enough. We got used to seeing Kansas City's offense score 23 points and a half. Now it's a streak of four halves with 23 total. I think it's interesting. I don't know how abnormal that is. I, I believe these guys meet in the locker room. I mean, they're very close, you know, win or or loss or success sure. yeah. or loss. Um, but I, like I said, I, and I, I don't want to just keep beating this point, but I, I wonder what the conversations are going to be like this week early on uh, at Arrowhead from you know Monday to Thursday or whatever it ends up being. Um, and what changes? Because there, there will be changes after the break, and I'm just intrigued as to seeing uh, how they address and, and try to be better on offense. Um, all right. So that's uh, that's Chiefs Dolphins. This was a game we anticipated since the summer. It has come and gone now. Nine games in the book. Eight to go. We will see how the Chiefs uh, how the Chiefs will be uh, after the bye week. Uh, when we come back here, we are going to lean into that bye week theme and have a roundtable. Steve's going to join us. So, I mean, who knows what Steve's <laughs> We never know what Steve's going to say. Uh, so he's going to join us uh, for the roundtable. And we're going to describe the season so far and how we're feeling going into the after buy uh, in a couple words and, and tell you why we're feeling those words. Uh, it's all coming up next right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make 
all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We are now joined by our wonderful podcast producer, Steve Serta, who is going to be bringing it during the bye week anyway. You know, everyone goes home, but Steve <laughs> Steve stays in the office alone, grinding out podcasts for, for you, right? And Steve, nothing's really changing uh, this week in the, during the bye week, right? Uh, we'll still have a show pretty much every day this week. Um, Great. just obviously no, no press conferences. So no, no from podiums, no yeah. arrowhead pride reports. Cause there's nothing to really react to, but we'll still have our full length shows. I wanted to, uh, end this abbreviated editor show, right? There's not a ton of news. It's, it's kind of shut down this week, uh, with a round table, uh, and, and the round table, I asked these guys that are, that are joining me here to, uh, Give me two or three words to describe the season, where their brain is at when it comes to the Chiefs season, where it's going, uh, and just to tell us why. And so you already heard John and I yap uh, enough, so we're going to take a quick break from that and allow uh, Steve to have the spotlight here. Steve, uh, how would you describe the Chiefs season to date and, and where it's going? I think the way I would describe it is we're just seeing them step into a new era of Chiefs football mm. and it's something that we talked about, like when they traded Tyreek Hill and then this offseason with Chris Jones. And it's like, are they moving on from Chris Jones? What's going to happen long term? And like, and right. we're going to go through all of that again this offseason. But it started a couple of years ago. And I think it it's taken this season for us to really get here and accept it because of the Chiefs offensive struggles and they're winning games because of defense, not because of Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid. And yeah, we saw this with the Patriots where early on defensive minded team Brady was just uh, a caretaker of the offense. Basically, don't turn the football over and cost them football games and then win in the big moments. And, and I think that's kind of what this Chiefs team is right now, where they're drafting and developing because that's what you got to do to stay to stay talented and young when you've got a superstar expensive quarterback. And so far, the last couple of years, they've obviously knocked that out of the park. Right. But the defense is how they win games. Now, I still think the offense has a chance to get better as the season goes on. we got a lot of football left to play. But I think the only thing that really matters for the Chiefs offensively is when you get into the playoffs, when the games matter the most in critical moments, can Patrick Mahomes go win you a football game? And mm -hmm. I still believe that he absolutely can do that. But the defense is what's going to get them there and set them up with those opportunities now. And I think people just need to accept that instead of overreacting to the un the underwhelming performance of the offense every week. <laughs> well, you, you know what it is, and this is in every NFL city. And, you know, I, 
I try to remind people about this. And this is this isn't my two to three words, but there's a saying that is <laughs> uh, don't tell me about the pain. Show me the baby. And let me <laughs> take a second here and just re remind folks <laughs> about the pain. Because when you're picking 28 to 32, it's just a lot tougher to have sustained success. When a lot of these great players that you developed both both in-house, you know, acquisition otherwise, are due up for a contract, it's tough to keep that team under the salary cap. You have to identify new young players. You have to hit on those players. You're seeing Bill Belichick really struggle significantly with that. Mm -hmm. The worst yeah. in the league the last ending years. <laughs> yeah, of Tom. And you're seeing the results of that. I mean, it. It's not an easy thing to do. Bill Belichick was fortunate to have Brady, and it, it seemed like he was a lot better um, at this a decade ago for whatever reason. Chiefs have been good at, at that, and with that is is not going to be a perfect record ever. It's impossible to go with, with a perfect record. And so what you're seeing now is not the prettiest baby in the world, but that baby still has won seven games. Uh, it's been a painful process, but I think you're right. Like I, I'm more intrigued to see how this looks five years from now, then, you know, to what you're describing is like year one of the five. I, and I think that's where we're at in the second era of Patrick Mahomes. So I think that's a great take, Steve. And you know what? Pretty positive, pretty positive, especially for you. It's a positive. We need to I'm, take Steve's temperature here. What's yeah, going on? No, he's got 101 <laughs> at least. I gotta, I'm just, I'm just feeling good because <laughs> I got time off later this week. All right, John. Uh, let's continue our, our uh, description round table here. What are you thinking uh, of the chiefs? Well, here's my fun. few words. Run it back. Mm. And I know uh, that's not something sure. we want to say. Did you just right? say Lynn Elliott? No, what? Yeah, no. <laughs> Run it back? Okay. I know, Well, I think where you get in trouble is when you come into the season saying run it back. Mm. I think that's what the Chiefs did wrong in 2020 is, gotcha. is come into that season thinking they could do that. And obviously, it's a different team than they had in 2022. But as I noted before, the team is 7-2. and two just mm. like they were a year ago after nine games. And they currently are the number one seed in the AFC, not just by strength of victory, but by an actual game right. over the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, I, I think the Chiefs are in excellent shape. Would I like to see the offense be better? Of course, all of us would. I would like to see the offense be better, but the offense is already pretty good. I mean, there's the, the point has been made that the Chiefs have been top five in DVOA in both offense, defense, and special teams uh, through the first part of the season, and that rarely, if ever, happens. And the teams that do it, I think there's been six uh, in the time period that D DVOA exists, they've all been Super Bowl teams. So, you know, I get why people think the offense should be better with Patrick Mahomes running it, but Steve's point is right on that teams that are good, that are really going to be dynasties over the long term, have to learn how to uh, shift their emphasis from one thing to another based on the personnel that they have and the way that their breaks fall. And that's exactly what the Chiefs are doing right now that we'd like to see more offense, but that's because we got used to seeing more offense. Yeah. You know, it's not like this is required in order to field a championship team. So my three words are run it back, baby. Okay. All right. Uh, I know that, that not everyone is going to love that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that the message, the message was correct there. 
I am going to follow kind of on suit with you guys with, with, with the theme here. And, and my words are uh, an unconventional path because I think going into the buy, as I described earlier, we really all thought seven and two felt like a tough part of the schedule is, you know, mm-hmm. in the beginning, yeah. you had some division games mixed in three, you know, a couple of division games in a row, two of the Broncos in two weeks. I believe Ron Kopp, our lead analyst, even when the schedule came out, predicted that the Chiefs would lose uh, that game in Denver. And so we thought that was possible. And we, we knew how much it mattered to Denver. And they did, they, they did drop the, they, and they dropped a, a game to the Lions who looked like they could be a contender in, in the NFC. And they're seven and two, and they're one of the better football teams in the league. The difference is, and what makes it unconventional, is nobody thought that the defense would be this good and the offense would be this average. And so I, I did some digging here. And I, I was wondering, okay, like, what if this just was what the Chiefs were this year? Could they win a Super Bowl that way? Because I think that the take that's becoming more common now is, well, this is good that we're winning games now, but you can't win a Super Bowl title that way. And what I found in doing my digging here is that, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. you can. If the offense stayed the same and the defense stayed top of the league, history would tell you, and it's not as common as the other way, but history would tell you that you could win a championship. Exhibit one, the 2000 Ravens. Exhibit two, the 2002 Bucks. Exhibit three, 2003 Patriots. 2008 Steelers. And yeah, the 2015 Denver Broncos. In points per drive given up, the Ravens were first that year. Bucks first. Patriots first. Steelers second. And the Broncos first in the league. Right now, the 2023 Chiefs, when it comes to points per drive given up, in the league are in third. Now, here is the difference, and this is what nobody wants to to look at. Those teams, again, they were either first or second in points per drive given up. These were their offenses in points per drive scored. 18th, 23rd, 16th, 18th, 24th. With the way that X looks on a daily basis, you would think that the Chiefs would be in the 16, 17, the 20s. Mm -hmm. Terrible off. They're ninth. Yeah. Third in the league of point per drive given up and ninth in the league in points per drive scored. So they're in way better shape than all of these historically de- championship defensive teams. And so the offense, it does feel at a, at a point because we've been spoiled by Patrick Mahomes and what the Chiefs offense can do. It does feel at a point where it can only go up from here. And, and at ninth in the NFL, I agree. I agree. You have Patrick Mahomes, you have Andy Reid. They're going to figure out stuff during the bye. Rasheed Rice is only going to get better. I think it's only going to improve from ninth. Doesn't look like the defense is going anywhere. Top three in the league when it comes to points per drive given up. And so you are in better shape if this team stayed like it's playing now. You you could win a championship the way it's playing now. So what I tell you is enjoy this unconventional path. I think the offense is going to be better in future years. And guess what? It's good enough to win a Super Bowl the way it is. I know that's hard to swallow. Uh, at this stage. So those are our three ways to describe the year so far. Uh, and if I may oh, no, make a point, John. if, if yeah. I could say something here, Pete, sure. uh, you're just, if you were an older guy, yeah. you would have said that much more simply. You would have said offense sells tickets and defense wins championships, right? Because that's sure. what people said for years and years and years and years. And, and then there came a time when it wasn't so true anymore because there were so many teams that were winning with offense in the league as the, as the rules changed and offense became more prevalent, then there were more offensively uh, focused teams 
that win and only won Super Bowls. But you're exactly right. It doesn't mean it can't happen. And it actually has happened in some fairly recent years. We're not talking about 2000 or 1972. We're talking about stuff that's happened in this century, for God's sake. So it's not like it's impossible for this to happen. Uh, it's actually quite likely. I think that part of the trouble here is that people have become so accustomed to seeing what the Chiefs can do that they think it can't be done any other way. And that's just simply not true. How many people said after the Denver game, well, if the Chiefs offense plays like this when they go right. and play the, the, the Dolphins, they're just going to get creamed. Well, you know, the Chiefs offense played pretty much like that when they went and played the Dolphins. And look who won. You know, yeah. that's and that's <laughs> even like and I didn't list this team, but like even when you talk about those uh, 2019 uh, Patriots, right, uh, who, who were able to beat the Chiefs in, in the AFC title game, that Super Bowl was 13-3. That Super Bowl was not fun to watch. You know, it was fun to right. watch for the New England people because they didn't care. Because you know what? The New England Patriots had more points than than the uh, Rams did um, in that particular game. And so, uh, you know, it might be one, one of those years. Uh, but but again, uh, what I would like to say is just based on historical numbers, you are in great shape to being a potential championship team. And I, I think that feeling and those stats can only go go up from here. Yep. Um, and that. uh and that's a show, guys. Uh, we can in enjoy our bye week now. We've done our work, uh, John. The editor's show is in here. Uh, again, this week, coming up on arrowheadpride.com, we will have the bye week awards. We look forward to giving out those every year. If you want more from AP, that's available now. Arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. Newsletter delivered to your inbox three times a week. There is a monthly option. There is an annual subscription, a seven-day free trial, so you can try it out. And if it's not for you, you can quit. Hope you stay because that, that's good for us, right? Uh, we live podcasts all week. Thanks to uh, Steve here. So for Steve uh, and for John, I'm Pete Sweeney. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show and enjoy the bye week. <laughs>